0: O God of the living and the dead, help us to come and see the glory of the resurrection, which is more than we can ask for or imagine. Amen. That phrase, more than we can ask or imagine, is familiar to us because it's one of the verses of scripture that we close morning and evening prayer with. It comes from the letter to the Ephesians, in which St. Paul writes, glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. But because of our self-reliance and limited imaginations, we can be unaware of just how awesome and grand the resurrection is. It's sort of like that story of the two fish who are swimming along and one says to, get to the other, well, the water seems nice today, doesn't it? To which the other says, what's water? Well, we live in a post-Easter world, one in which the stone has already been rolled away from the tomb. And it can be easy for us to be oblivious to the resurrection that is all around us. One of the great theologians of the 20th century commented that the Bible gives us the answers that our questions deserve that we shall find in such answers as much as we seek and no more. In other words, the questions that we ask will limit the answers we encounter. Our doubts will impact our imaginations. Our sins can influence how much peace we will find. Our need to be correct can prevent us from knowing the truth that passes all human knowing. Our biases and opinions can close us off to learning something new. Now at its best, the church and our faith help us to ask better questions so that we will be greeted by better answers. By gathering in the richness and diversity of beloved community, the church helps us to ask better questions in considering perspectives that otherwise we would be blind to. And this is why congregations that are all in the same socioeconomic class or have no racial diversity or all vote for the same candidates can prevent us from growing in our faith. We need diversity because the image of God in which we are made is a mosaic. Each of us is a part of it. And so the more colorful the mosaic we see, the better the answers we will find. Now, that doesn't mean that we will always like the questions that others ask, but if we have ears to listen, we will certainly hear the Holy Spirit speaking in response. Now, speaking of bad questions because of a limited vision, in today's reading from Luke, we heard about the Sadducees who are trying to trap Jesus. They ask him, hey, let's say there's a woman and her husband dies before they have any kids. And so according to the law of Leverite marriage, she marries the next oldest brother. You know, you've got to keep the family name going. Well, imagine the next brother also dies before they have a child. And this happens on down the line until all seven of these brothers have married her, but none of them had a child. Tell us, teacher, in this so-called resurrection that you believe in, whose wife is she going to be? Now the sadducees were what we might call conservatives i don't mean that with any political undertones they saw themselves as the preservers of the tradition they defended the written torah the teachings of the faith as recorded in scripture but they rejected the idea of oral torah that is the community's discussion and discernment on various issues if it was clear in the law of moses well and good But if it was not clearly taught in scripture, the Sadducees rejected it. And the resurrection is one of those things that's not really evident in the Old Testament. Sure, we can find allusions to this idea in a couple of verses in Isaiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. As Christians, you and I see signs of the resurrection all throughout scripture. But the Sadducees did not have the insights that the Holy Spirit has given to us in their minds they were asking jesus a nonsense question sort of like asking if god can make a married bachelor or a square circle these questions don't make sense and so they do not have an answer that will make any sense and so when jesus responds to them that in the resurrection from the dead they neither marry nor are given in marriage The Sadducees have no way to receive this response or encounter its truth. I ran across a quote this week that helps us to see what's going on here. Stephen Hawking said, the greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. It's one thing not to know something. There's plenty of things that we don't know. It is another to falsely assume that we have understanding. This is the sin of certainty, and it is on full display here. Now, it's not that Jesus gave them a bad answer, but rather he gave the Sadducees what they asked for, and they were only able to get out of that answer what they were prepared to hear. The same thing happens to us in our faith. The questions that we ask will shape the things that we believe. A version of Christianity that is obsessed with questions like who's allowed to get ordained or married, or will all non-Christians go to hell? or How do we make sure we stay in power? If those are the questions that we ask, we will not find the radical or transforming depths of the resurrection. Too often our questions limit what we ask or think what is possible, and we never end up being surprised in our faith never being transformed, never seeing something in a new light, never called to ever do anything differently. Because of our doubts and our certainties, we, like the Sadducees, can be closed off to what God is doing all around us. Simply put, we will never experience the beauty, wonder, and grace of the resurrection if we limit what is possible with God by the questions that we ask and the prayers that we pray. Jesus says that God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. And that's because to God, no one is dead. No one is ever forgotten, never unresurrectable. But our questions can assume a God of the dead, a God who has nothing to do with how we vote, or spend our money, or treat those who disagree with us, or raise our children, or care for those in poverty. Having the resurrection at the core of our faith means that we are always open to things beyond what we can ask or imagine. And the resurrection itself is one of these topics that we need to rethink. Like the Sadducees, modern Christianity has a diminished and distorted view of what resurrection is all about. We often misunderstand resurrection to be something like resuscitation, That after we die, somehow there's this immaterial part of us, we call it a soul, and and somehow this thing floats up and goes to some immaterial place that we call heaven, where somehow it gets reanimated and is alive again. Now, I want to tread lightly here, because that's what a lot of us have been taught to believe, and it can bring comfort to some people. The problem with that view, though, is that it is closed off to the full grandeur of the resurrection, And that is not what Jesus' scripture or Christian tradition teaches about the resurrection. Notice that in Jesus' response, he does not use the word heaven or soul. Rather he says the resurrection is beyond anything that we can imagine. The Sadducees are asking a question like, what color will the number five be in the resurrection? And when we think of the resurrection as some disembodied life after death, we are making the same sort of mistake. When we look at scripture, we find that it is the direction of things that matters. We are not trying to get to heaven. But that's the trap many Christians fall into. And if we make heaven our goal, well, then we waste all of our time coming up with the rules. How do we get there? Who's allowed to enter? What is it like when we get there? But Scripture, and most notably Jesus, are nearly silent on these sorts of questions. Perhaps because such questions are so limiting that we end up with versions of the faith that are so limited. Now, when we ask better questions and we get our questions not from Dante's Inferno or Milton's Paradise Lost, or Plato's philosophy, but rather if we get our questions from Scripture, we end up with better questions and a far more expansive view of the resurrection. The resurrection is not about us getting to heaven, rather it is how God is bringing heaven to earth. And this is why the resurrection happened in a specific and material time and place. If resurrection was only about immaterial souls getting to heaven, then we wouldn't have any of the Easter stories. But we do have those stories in Scripture of Jesus with a more than physical resurrected body walking around in Israel, having conversations with people, eating fish with them. It's almost as if Jesus was trying to teach us something when he taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The resurrection then is not some heavenly reward but a present reality, a reality in which we can live and move and have our being, in which sins are forgiven, death is already defeated, love is victorious and grace abounds. Resurrection life is to be entered into and enjoyed today, here and now, and perfected and grown into both on this side of the grave and the next. Resurrection life does not end when we die, but rather it continues on a further and distant shore and in a greater light. The resurrection is not liberation from earthly life, it is the perfection of it. And this is what leads C.S. Lewis to present one of the best understandings of the resurrection at his close of the Chronicles of Narnia series. He writes about how some characters enter into the fullness of resurrection life and describes it as going Further up and further in. In other words, what we think is real and true and concrete, these are mere shadows of the glory that we will one day know. The glory of the resurrection is beyond what we can ask or imagine. But because on Easter we were given a glimpse into this future, we can have that truth of the resurrection permeate all parts of our lives even now. But if we have flawed questions and beliefs about the resurrection, we can end up limiting how grand the resurrection is, and we end up turning God into a God of the dead instead of the Lord of life. And this matters because if we reduce the meaning of the resurrection to be something that's out there after we die, then we end up giving death too much power. It's already been overcome by Jesus. And we end up limiting what it means to be a follower of a crucified and resurrected Savior. The poet Langston Hughes wrote, Life is for the living, death is for the dead. Let life be like music, and death a note unsaid. But we end up living in the shadow of death when we constantly ask questions and worry about what happens after death. We end up giving death too much power, too much fear, too much of our lives. Because Jesus has clearly told us that he is the resurrection and the life. On Easter, we have a clear sense that the love of God in Jesus is stronger than the grave. And yet we insist on arguing about and worrying about death. When we already know the answer, Jesus has redeemed all things. Now, this doesn't mean that you and I cannot have some concerns and be afraid of death. Anytime we experience something new, anxiety is a part of it. That is not unhealthy. But when we turn our faith into a death denial or death removal business, it gives far too much attention to death which has already been defeated. But the more egregious problem is when we end up missing out on the rays of resurrection life that are brightening up this world. Because the resurrection is a present reality, we can live in a transfigured reality here and now. Already knowing that sin has been overcome, we no longer need to be in the vengeance business or the scorekeeping business. Rather, we can take up the ministry of reconciliation. Trusting that death has been overcome, we can enjoy our salvation and welcome others into enjoying enjoying their salvation instead of spending so much time trying to get people to think the same things that we do. Having seen the glory of the resurrection, we can have hope in the reality that all shall be well. In hearing the good news proclaimed on Easter, we have every confidence that love is the truest, most powerful, most enduring, most beautiful thing in all creation, and we can give ourselves to following Jesus in his way of love. In that shift from crucify to alleluia, we see that all mistakes can be overcome and all pain redeemed. But if because of the sin of certainty and a mind that is closed off to new ways of thinking, we continue to ask limited questions, we will be left with a limited sense of the resurrection. God is a God of possibility, and in limiting what is possible, we end up limiting our experience of God. The charge is to keep our imaginations open, to expect to be transformed, to ask questions, like, what am I missing? Because the question that we are to ask is not whose wife will she be? Rather, the question is who are we to God? And the answer that is worth pursuing with all of our life is that we are the beloved children of God.